at verse 31 today. Hebrews 11:31. Here is what the author of Hebrews said, Hebrews 11:31. By faith, the harlot Rehab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Amen? Amen. Can we all say that verse out loud? By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in with peace. Okay, I need to read it one more time, but I want you to speak it loud because I want this to be engraved in your brain. This is important, amen? All right, let's all say it together, and I want everybody to say it. This is simple. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. I wanted to repeat it so it can be engraved in your brain. I'm 41 years old. I think when I was about 19 or 20 or something like that, I was in Egypt and we were going ministering in some of the villages nearby. I grew up in the city and we were just ministering in one of the villages nearby. And at that time, I was a Christian for a few years and I was so curious about the Holy Spirit and the power of God. I just, my church never thought about that and I was just always curious about that and I had nobody to teach me. So every time I find somebody who's like even talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm super duper excited about talking to that person and you know, learn what they have to offer. I think I was 19 or 20 and um, we were in a village and I met this guy who was a bit older than me. I would say late 20s, early 30s at that time. And from what I perceived from him, he at least talked about the Holy Spirit in such a way that was like not, I'm not used to. Or he prayed with sick people or something that was so strange to me at that time. So I was really, really excited about getting to know that guy a little bit. So I went to talk to him. And it's a small group of people. And um, I was like, man, this is fantastic. And we're talking here and there. And then I was asking him, how did you become a Christian? And then he said um, <laughs> that he used to be deep in sin, far away from God. And that one day he went to church. And this is what he told me. I was 19 or 20. Remember this. He, he told me, I don't remember exactly what the preacher's like, sermon was. I can't remember all the points or all the details. But I remember that he was speaking, preaching from this. By faith, the harlotry hath did not perish with those he did not believe. This is what I remember he was talking about. And that night, I committed my life to Christ. And my heart, my life was transferred 180 degrees. And I became a brand new Christian. And that's how I started to follow the Lord. I was like, man, this is a good verse. I, he's telling me this, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a deep verse. I never thought about it this way. I hope one day I get to preach from that verse. Back then, I didn't know that that one day will be 21 years later uh, in Franconia in Virginia. Amen? So needless to say, today when Alexandra was worshiping and all this stuff, I was just like, get, get it done. I want to go preach. I'm excited. I want to preach that verse. I have been waiting for 21 years to preach from that verse. Amen? So I'm excited about this, and I believe that the Lord has a word for us. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. We have seen throughout Hebrews 11 that every single person in the Old Testament pretty much lived their lives by faith. You guys remember that? The whole point of chapter 11 is that the author of Hebrews is encouraging his 
uh, readers in face of persecution not to give in, not to considering abandoned Christianity and Christ and go back to Judaism. He's telling them, stick with Christ. You need to live your life by faith and not by sight, not yield to the pressure of persecution, but see the unseen. You can keep on trusting Christ and keep on living your life by faith. And if you remember when we started chapter 11, in verse 1, we spoke about five different kinds of faith in the scripture. If you remember, we said that the word faith in the Bible is not all the same. There's five different meanings to that word. Let me refresh your memory. We talked about the intellectual faith. Remember that? How demons believe that God is one and they tremble? This is just pure information, right? Muslims are believers in that way because they believe the Quran is God's word, Muhammad is a prophet from God, blah, blah, blah. That's their set of doctrine, and that's why they are called believers in that sense. You guys are with me? Atheists are believers, right? Because they believe that there's no God. That's their faith. So faith can be pure intellectual knowledge, and many Christians can fall under that category. Oh, I believe the Bible is God's word. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. I believe, but that faith is purely intellectual. It's just all in their mind. You guys are with me? So the first kind is the intellectual faith, but then there is a different kind of faith, which is the saving faith, the faith by which you and I can become children of God. Ephesians 2, 8. For you have been saved not by works, but by grace through faith. And that's not of you. It is the gift of God. You guys are with me? So there is a different kind of faith that actually gets you saved. And that is not the pure intellectual knowledge about the Christian doctrine. Amen? Then we have living your life as a child of God by faith. The scripture says the just shall live by faith. Every single day, you live your life by faith with God. You trust him. You hear a bad report like Betty, but you choose to trust God. You're in a hard situation like Justina looking for a job, but you choose to trust God. Because you live your life every single day by faith. That's not the intellectual faith. That's not the saving faith. That is living by faith. And then the fourth kind was faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? The faith is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And that's just, you grow to the point that you trust God no matter what. That's something that can grow in you. And finally, faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. You guys remember all of that, of course, right? Faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's when, this is a supernatural faith. Like, you know that you know that you know that this supernatural thing will come to pass. You, you come to pass. You just know it deep down in your heart because God has given you the gift of faith. Amen? Every single person in Hebrews 11 so far pretty much is in that third category, how a Christian, how a righteous person can live their life by faith, amen? Except Rehab. That's the only person here where the author of Hebrews is not talking about how a Christian, how a believer can live their life by faith, but rather how you can become a Christian by faith. How you can become a follower of Christ by faith. You guys are with me? So the faith of Rehab Obviously, you cannot separate faith. I'm trying to be as systematic and as, like, you know, divided, as sharp as I can. But obviously, they're all mixed together. You guys are with me? But this is not how a Christian can live their life by faith. This is how can anybody become a Christian by faith. That's the faith that the author of Hebrews is talking about here. Amen? 
Rahab was mentioned many times in the scripture. We read her full story in Joshua chapter 2, the whole chapter. Joshua chapter 6, most of that chapter. In Matthew 1, 5, she was one of the lineage of Christ. Uh, Christ came out of her body eventually. Hebrews eleven thirty one here and in James 2, 25. So this is not somebody who was mentioned once in the scripture. This is somebody who's important in the scripture. Amen? If you're not very familiar with the story, God called Moses to get the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt to inherit the land of Canaan, which they did. But Moses sinned against God and he died in the process. So God appointed Joshua to be the leader who's going to lead the army of Israel into the land of Canaan, who will defeat the, Canaan, the Canaanite armies, and he will give the children of Israel the land. And once we cross the river Jordan, the first city that Joshua and the army of Israel need to overtake was Jericho. It was a fortified city with massive walls. And inside that city, Jericho, lived a, a prostitute. The Bible called her name Rahab. So just typical military practice, Joshua sent two spies into Jericho so they can see how the land looked like before they conquered it. And the city was so fortified because they knew that the children of Israel is coming against them. And they knew that the spies are in town. They wanted to go after them and get them. But Rahab, the harlot, who lived at the wall of the city at that time, she hid the two spies. And then when, when the people of Jericho came knocking on her door saying, where are the spies? She said, oh, they're not here. They're gone. Go after them. And then when you go quickly, catch them before they run away. Everybody runs away. And then eventually she drops them from her window uh, by a rope. And that's how they escaped. Because she trusted that God, the God of Israel is the true God. And that's what the author of Hebrews here is referring to. The faith of Rehab that was demonstrated when she let the two spies escape. She accepted them in peace and she let them escape. Now, in that verse, I want to highlight three important things about faith. So listen, listen up because you're going to repeat it with me. We learn three things here from the faith of Rehab. Number one, we learn that only faith, think about the word only, that's key here. Only faith brings the worst of sinners to justification. Amen? Number two, only faith saves us from our eternal damnation. And number three, true faith must lead to regeneration. I made a rhyme and everything, so you have no excuse not to remember it. Amen? Let's say them together because this is extremely important. Number one, only faith brings the worst of sinners to justification. Number two, only faith saves us from our eternal damnation. Only faith saves us from our eternal damnation. And number three, true faith must, must lead to regeneration. Let's talk about the first point. Only faith brings the worst of sinners to justification. God commanded the children of Israel to pretty much abolish the Canaanites, to, to destroy the whole peoples. And the reason why commanded that they destroy all the Canaanites because the Canaanite was such sinful people. These people were as wicked as you can imagine. And that's the people to which Rehab was belonging. That's the people group of Rehab. That's the family, the neighbors, the co-workers, the friends of Rehab. At that time, they, these people would worship idols. And immorality, sexual immorality, and all sorts of sexual immorality was actually part of worshiping idols of that time. You think of the worst immoral sins that you can ever imagine, and these people were practicing them as part of their worship. 
including bestiality, having sex with animals, men molesting boys, uh, insects, fathers sleeping with their daughters or brothers sleeping with the sisters. I'm, I'm sorry, it's nasty, but this is how they live their life. You guys are with me? As a matter of fact, some of the commentators think that the reason why Lot's daughter slept with him, made him drunk and slept with him in the book of Genesis chapter 20 or 19, chapter 19, is because they learned that practice from the people that they lived among them. It was not such a strange thing that a father will have sex with his daughter. You guys are with me? Think of all sorts of filth, all sorts of sexual immorality. That was the common practice of the people of that time. And God was patient with them for 400 years giving them one chance after another yet these people insisted on rejecting God to the point that they left God no choice except that they must be destroyed amen now this is the culture where Rahab grew up Rahab was a Canaanite she lived in Jericho Canaan okay so that's her culture that's what her friends her co-workers her neighbors um, her family members would be practicing this is what she when she leaves the door in the morning gets out of her house open the door that's what she see felt sexual immorality everywhere among these all mortal failure, Jericho was the center of worshiping a female god called Ashtaroth. And the usually associate Ashtaroth with the male god Baal. So Ashtaroth is the female god, Baal is the male god. And again, the worship of Ashtaroth was always associated with all sorts of filth and sexual immorality. You guys are with me? Imagine this is the culture. Imagine this is the, the setting where Rehab grew up. This is all that she knew all her life. Amen? Mm -hmm. In the midst of all of this, Rehab was not a cultural warrior. You guys are with me? She was not a person who's like, man, I can't believe the sin in our city. I can't believe how these people are acting. I don't want my kids to be raised like that. She wasn't objecting that. She wasn't a cultural warrior trying to change the situation. You guys are with me? What, she, what did she do for a living? She was a prostitute. She was a woman who would sell her body for money. I don't know about you, but prostitution can be associated with, like, if you ever watch it on TV for any reason, you can see that this is associated with all sorts of filthy life. The language is filthy. They might be doing drugs, just what you see on TV, doing drugs, just the lifestyle, all in all, is just filthy. You guys are with me? That was rehab. She was a Canaanite predestined to hell at this point to be to, to die because her community, everybody around her was sinning, and the children of Israel were commanded to destroy them. She was a woman, she was marginalized by the society, and in the midst of all of that, she was a prostitute. She was the most among the most sinners of all, the most sinful of all of that time. If you say, hey, who's the worst people who lives in that, at that city at that time? You probably name rehab among the top. You guys are with me? She was an extremely sinful woman in an extremely sinful culture. That's why even the author of Hebrews here didn't say, by faith rehab did not perish with the unbelievers. You guys are with me? But the author of Hebrews here say, by faith, even the prostitute rehab, I added the word even, it's not there. But the point is, the author of Hebrews is telling us, by faith, the most sinful of all, someone who as sinful as rehab herself, by faith, that woman did not perish with those who perished. You guys are with me? 
The point of the author of Hebrews is this. It doesn't matter how many sins you have committed. It doesn't matter how far you have gone away from God. It doesn't matter how deep in the pit of sin you are. Today, by faith, you can be made right with God. You guys are with me. It's by faith and by faith alone that sinners can be justified, declared righteous before the eyes of a holy and a righteous God. Amen? I don't know about you, but that's very good news this morning. Amen? Because we're all sinners, right? In some way or shape or form. So today, I don't care what you have done. This is what the Bible says. God doesn't care what you have done if you just put your trust in Christ. And I'm going to show you how now. If you just do that, then you will be declared righteous. Because even the prostitute rehab was saved by her faith. You guys are with me? Nobody's with me? Yeah. Amen. Let me show you some examples in the scripture of how it's by faith alone that the worst of sinners can be made right with God. Let's look at Romans 4, 3 to 4. Now Paul is speaking to the Romans. And he's trying to teach them that it's only by faith that they can be made right with God, that they can be justified. So he's quoting a scripture from the Old Testament to support his argument. And this is what he's saying here in Romans 4, verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. That verse right here, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, is a quote from Genesis chapter 15, if I believe correctly. It's a quote from Genesis 15 and that's what it says. Abraham believed the promise of God and God counted to him as righteousness. The word that Paul is using here, credited to him as righteousness, it's technically what you do here in our 21st century. When you credit somebody, like I just called T-Mobile right this week and I was like, man, you owe me $40 for whatever. And they say, sure, we'll give you that credit. So I look into my balance and I see that my balance now is negative 40 because I paid my previous bill and they gave me $40. So now my balance is negative 40. You guys are with me? They credited my balance with the money that they owe me. And that's what Paul is literally saying here if you Abraham trusted God Abraham believed in God and as a result of his faith alone God deposited in Abraham account God's own righteousness amen now imagine this if I take ten thousand dollars go deposit it in your bank account whose money is it now it's your money. Once it's credited to you, it's yours. You guys are with me? You can do whatever you want with this $10,000. You can go uh, buy a house, uh, whatever, put it toward the down payment or buy a car, whatever you want. Because this is now not my money anymore. This is your money. And that's what Paul is telling us here. When you trust God, when Abraham trusted God, God deposited in his account God's own righteousness. And now... Now, Abraham is as righteous as God Almighty, in a sense. Amen? Amen? This is mind-blowing verse. Now, Paul is doing his own commentary, his own, his own preaching on that verse. So what does that Paul, how, how is Paul preaching about it? He's saying this. Now, to the one who works, now he's looking at the word, Abraham believed God. Okay? Now he's commenting the word, on the word believed. And he's saying this, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. What is Paul saying here? Saying if the scripture would have said Abraham worked out his salvation, Abraham did a lot of work and God has credited to him 
this works as righteousness, then the righteousness of God will not be a gift given to Abraham. God is giving him his righteousness because God owed it to him because Abraham has earned it by his works. You guys are with me? So Paul is saying the word believe here tells us that it is not by works because if, it's, if it was by works, God cannot use the word credited. It should be the word earned because Abraham at that point would have earned it. You guys are with me? Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. But this is not what Genesis 15 says. However, to the one who does, does what? Does not work, think about this, does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. This is... The most mind-blowing verse by far in the scripture. I mean, there's so many mind-blowing verses, but this is one of them, definitely. You guys are with me? Someone, a sinner as you and me, can even as Rehab, the most sinful of all, a prostitute, a serial killer, Osama bin Laden, a rapist, whatever sin you have committed, if you have ruined every single chance to do good works, to earn God's favor and his righteousness, Paul is telling us here is this, if you have done no good works, but you just trust God who justifies the ungodly, then God, because of that faith, will credit into your bank account his own righteousness. You guys are with me? Now, don't say hallelujah yet. This is going to blow your mind away. Bear with me. The word ungodly, let's look into this word a little bit. This is insane. The word ungodly that um, Paul used here, the word ungodly, is the Greek word um, asipas. asipas. Um, and this has actually two components. It has the word a, which is negative, without, like even in English when we say atypical, means it's not typical. You guys are with me? So asipas has two parts in it. The first part is a for negative or without, and then the word, the verb sepeo, uh, sepeo means to revere, to 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 worship, to give reverence to. So the literal words here that Paul used, ungodly, means one without reverence to God. You guys are with me? Someone who has zero, absolutely reverence, um, respect to God, for the lack of better word. Not merely somebody who's irreligious, because the word ungodly, we can receive it in our own 21st century, is that somebody who's just not a religious person, ungodly, right? Atheist or doesn't believe in God, but this is not what the Greek word says here. Not merely irreligious, but someone who's showing disrespect and no reverence to God himself. You guys are with me? Let me explain more. Hang out with me. This is very important. Remember how we define sin. We talked about this so many times before. What is sin? Right, lawlessness. From 1 John 3, 4, John told us that sin is lawlessness, right? And we talked about this before. The word lawlessness is anomia. In Greek, anomia. Also two words. The first part, a, means negative. And nomas means law. You guys are with me? So sin literally means without law. But the idea here is not somebody who's ignorant of the law or doesn't have access to the law. The idea here is someone who's actively breaking the law. You guys are with me? Someone who is a law breaker. Bear with me. You're with me? So sin is someone who is a law breaker. Anomia. Now I want you to differentiate between these two words. Anomia and asipas. Because this is extremely important. 
The word anumiya, sin is anumiya, means somebody who has no law, who does not obey the law, who actively break the law, is implying, implies disregard, defiance, and no reverence to the laws of God. You guys are with me? You guys are with me? Now, in opposition to that, the word hasipas, this means someone who doesn't respect, who's in defiance, who shows no reverence, not to the laws of God, but to the person of God. You guys are with me? So what Paul is telling us here is someone who absolutely shows zero respect to the person of God. Not the laws of God, but the actual person of God. Somebody that you come to and say, hey, you're lying. And you know God doesn't like lying. And he would reply and say, I don't care what God likes. But God hates sinners. He hates committing adultery. And the person would reply and say, I don't care what God hates. I don't care what God likes or dislikes. I don't care what God hates or loves. I'm going to do what I want to do because I have absolutely zero respect to the person of God. You guys are with me? You guys are with me? Yet Paul says, look at this. In Romans 4, 5, however... The most sinner of all, the one who can go in defiance and absolute utter disrespect to the person of God who has ruined every possible chance to do good works to please God. If that ungodly person who has messed it up beyond repair, if that ungodly person choose to put his trust in the one who justifies the ungodly, then God will respond by crediting to him his own righteousness. It doesn't matter how many sins you have committed. You are not beyond the scope of the love and the mercy and the grace of God. You guys are with me? I don't care if you have aborted five babies in your life before. I don't care if you're a serial killer, if you're a serial rapist. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're even Osama Bin Laden. If you just can't trust the one who justify the ungodly this morning. As crazy as that might sound, you would leave this place Good, righteous, and perfect in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. Your sins are no match to the power of the grace and the power that we have in the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, let me show you a couple of more examples. In Luke chapter 7, we read a story about Jesus going to the house of a Pharisee. And this Pharisee, think about it as a pastor of this time, you know. Somebody who knows the word, who's teaching people the word. And he's hosting Jesus, hanging out with Christ. I bet you they were debating Greek and Hebrew and what the scripture in the Old Testament literally meant and all the meanings and all this stuff. And here comes a prostitute, a woman that the Bible says was very sinful, so broken because of her sins. You guys are with me? She can't even come to Jesus straight and talk to him straight. She's so broken. She comes at his feet. She cries because she's so broken. She washes Jesus' feet with her tears and dries them with her hair. Because she's so desperate for his forgiveness and his grace. Let me ask you a question. Whom do you think God would justify in that story? The guy who has been trying, who's the, who's the pastor, who knows God's word, who's teaching people God's word? Or the prostitute who has never tried before? Whom would God justify? Which one? Hence, that's a tricky question. 
Well, God doesn't care if you're a pastor or a prostitute. The person God, that God will justify is the person who put his trust in the God who justifies the ungodly. Amen? It doesn't matter if he's a pastor. It doesn't matter if she's a prostitute. If either one of them would choose to put his trust in the God who justifies the ungodly, then that person will be declared righteous that very day. Amen? It was the... Ultimately, it ended up being the prostitute, but it was the Pharisee's own personal arrogance. Hey, I am good. I don't need God's grace that much. Maybe that sinful woman needs it, but I don't. I have been trying so much. So instead of trying to come to God and beg for the gift of salvation, he thought he can earn his salvation with God. You guys are with me? It doesn't matter today if, if I can be preaching to you every single day for the rest of my life. What's going to make me righteous before God is the fact that I put my trust in the God who justifies the ungodly. Amen? There is no works you can bring to make yourself right with God. It's just trust Him. And that's all what it takes. Amen? Luke 18, Luke 18 9 to 14. Jesus tells us a parable, a parable about a tax collector and a Pharisee. Again, Tax collector is the, sinner, the most sinner of all. And the Pharisee is a pastor. And they go pray. And here is what the Pharisee prays. The Pharisee stood and prayed um, thus with himself to God. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Factually, factually it's true. You guys are with me? This is a, a step ahead. You guys are with me? He's, he's a pastor. He knows Probably no Greek at this time. You probably knew Hebrew. No all the exegetical rabbis of that time. And he's a step ahead. It's factually true. You guys are with me? He said, I'm not like everybody else. I'm not. I'm a step above. I am not an extortioner. You guys know in our story who was an extortioner? The tax collector was an extortioner. Because that's what they did for a living. They go and just take as much money as they want from their own people. And they just extortioners. And he said, I am not unjust. Factually true. He's truly not an extortioner. Is that a bad thing? This is a very good thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. He said, I'm un not unjust. You know who was unjust in that story? The tax collector was unjust. Because he would ask for any amount of money he wanted. And nobody, and the Roman Empire is backing him up with might. He said, I'm not unjust. Well, that's a, is that a bad thing? That's a very good thing, isn't it? Right? And then he said, um, I'm not an adulterer. We don't know if the tax collector was an adulterer or not, but I'm not an adulterer. Is that a bad thing? I'm a family man. I'm faithful to my wife. I did commit adultery. I don't know about you. That sounds like good. Right? And then he said, and I'm not even like this tax collector. Sadly, it's factually true. And then he said, I fast twice a week. I mean, how many of us fast twice a week regularly? Seriously. And I give tithe of all I possess. And when he says all I possess, he's not talking metaphorically. He's talking literally tithe everything that he possesses. As a matter of fact, Jesus told them, you tithe the cumin and the, spi the spices that you buy from the, buy from the store. Imagine this. You go buy 10 grams of cumin from the grocery store. So first thing you go home is you weigh it and you take one gram out and you bring it to the church. I don't know about you. That's not a bad thing, is it? How many of us can say this? I tithe everything to God. Not many of us, including myself, because you guys are with me. So far, this guy is not like you would think God will be. Obviously, his heart attitude was evil. I'm, I'm not pointing to that right now. But he was trying. He was doing good works to try to please God. What, would the tax what did the tax collector do? He stood from afar. He cannot even look up to heaven. He said, he putting down his head down and said, God, I'm a sinner. Please provide covering for my sin. What did Jesus do? Look at this. 
I tell you, this man, the tax collector, the sinner, went down to his house justified rather than the other. This is a mind-blowing statement, mind-blowing verse. You guys are with me? As sinful as that tax collector can be, could be, have been, if he just trusted in God who justifies the ungodly immediately, God declared him righteous. Think about it in a court setting. You guys are with me? You have a case against you. You go to court and you have the judge and the verdict come out and the, ver the jury declares you righteous. You have, you declares you innocent. You have never broken the law. Now, can anybody come after you after the court has declared you innocent? It doesn't matter how bad the situation is or what the accusation was. You are declared legally innocent. You are a free person. You guys are with me? And that's literally what the scripture says here. The most sinner of all, if we come to Christ and say, God, I'm a sinner. I can't be made right before you because of my own merits. Would you please come into my heart and change me the moment you choose to put your trust in the God who justifies the ungodly. That very second, you will be declared innocent and righteous in the eyes of a holy and a Righteous God. Amen? Amen? This is the gospel, friends. Amen? Amen? Number two. Only faith saves us from eternal damnation. Now look at how the author of Hebrews worded this verse. He said, by faith, Rehab the harlot did not perish with that unbeliever. Do you see the contrast here? The believer versus that unbeliever. The believer did not perish, but the unbelievers perished. What the author of Hebrews is telling us here is that it's only the one thing that differentiated Rehab from everybody else who lived in Jericho is her faith. You guys are with me? And that's the only reasons why, the only reason why she did not perish. Now, the word unbeliever is a bit tricky here. It actually can be seen as unbeliever or disobedient. It depends on what translation you're using. The King James, the New King James has the word um, unbeliever. You guys are with me? But every other transcript, uh, every other translation pretty much has the word um, disobedient. Ma from the manuscript, manuscript point of view, uh, disobedient is more stronger. You guys are with me? King James and New King James usually use older manuscripts, but every other translation, NIV, NASB, all these translations, they use, and uh, I apologize. So all these translation, NIV and ASB, use older manuscripts more accurate. You guys are with me? But King James and New King James use the newer trans uh, manuscripts that is less accurate. Having said that, the scripture really doesn't make a massive distinction between being disobedient versus being unbeliever. You guys are with me? They're pretty much synonymous to each other in so many ways. For example, in John 3.36, this is the words of John. Uh, he's contrasting pretty much believing versus obeying. And he's saying this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not, obey. you guys see that? Obey the Son will not see life. So John is contrasting faith with obedience. And he's saying that if you believe, it's as if you obey. And if you don't believe, it's as if you don't obey. You guys are with me? Even the author of Hebrews did that before in Hebrews 3, 18 to 19. And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest? If not to those who disobey, you guys are with me? See, so 
So we see that they were not able to enter because of their disobedience, unbelief. You guys are with me? So the author of Hebrews himself, even before, make the word disobey, disobedient, pretty much synonymous to each other. And that makes perfect sense, that obedience and faith are tied up together. If you don't have obedience, then you don't have faith. You guys are with me? We talked about this before. What is faith? How we, as Franconia Community Church, define faith. It's action based on trust and the actual promises of God. That's faith. That's how we define faith, right? Faith is to act because you trust that God's word is true. You guys are with me? Now, we can't act if you don't obey. Obedience and action are pretty much the same thing. You guys are with me? So you cannot distinguish really between faith and obedience. Is it faith or is it disobedience? I'm not sure. I, I'll go with the unbeliever, but I'm not sure really which one is better. Probably disobedient. So let's just talk about that. The point's still valid. The one thing that distinguished Rehab from everybody else is her faith. The only reason she did not die with the, when the walls of Jericho fall was her faith. You guys are with me? Let's look at that. Back in Joshua 2, 9 to 10. Let's look at the faith of Rehab. How did she show faith? And she, Rehab, said to them, the spies, look at this. I, what's the first word she's saying? No. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Wait a minute, Rehab, let's just pause here. You're not making any sense. The walls are still intact. The city are still put together. How do you know? Have you seen the walls falling down? She said, I haven't seen it with my physical eyes, but I have seen it with my spiritual eyes. You guys are with me? She knew that God will give them the city in spite of the fact her physical eyes telling her that God has not yet has given them the city. Amen? I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on me. Us. Who's us? Uh, All the people of Jericho, right? Everybody in Jericho was afraid. It wasn't just Rehab. Bear with me here. This is important. Not just Rehab that got scared and she's like, man, these people are serious. Let me try to help them out so I can run out of this. It wasn't just Rehab. It was every single soul in the city of Jericho got scared because of the children of Israel. Amen? So that, look with me here, so that only me who live here, my heart was melting. Does, it, does she say that? No, she says, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. you. Verse 10, we have heard. Does she say, I have heard? We. Who's we? Her and the people. Everybody in the city heard. You guys are with me. This is extremely important. Everybody in Jericho heard and everybody in Jericho was scared. You guys are with me? We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Look at verse 11. When we heard, not I heard, when we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and only me, my heart failed because of you. Does she say that? No. And everyone's carriage failed because of you. Now, what distinguished her from everybody else is this coming phrase. For the Lord, your God, is a God in heaven above and on earth below. She's the only one in the city of Jericho who made that statement. You guys are with me? Let me ask you a question. How many people in the city of Jericho heard? 
How many, what is the percentage? 100%. You guys are with me? How many people in the city of Jericho feared the God of Israel? Oh, how many people in the city of Jericho acted because of that fear? One. One. You guys are with me. Everybody heard, everybody feared, but only Rehab did something about it. Are you with me? And this is sadly the story of our lives. Now listen to me. In order for you to become a Christian, in order for you to escape God's judgment, everybody who did not act in that day perished with the unbelievers. You guys are with me? Only Rehab was saved from death because she trusted and she acted based on the word of the living God. You guys are with me? And the same principles that saved Rehab back then is the same principle that will save you today if you choose to put your trust in the living God. You guys are with me? What is sin? Sin is a breaking the law you guys are with me and we all have sinned before God we all broke the law of God and none of us you feel guilty because of your sin you try to fast you try to pray you try to go to church you try to be good to other people because deep down in your heart you know that you're guilty that you have broken the law of God and you're trying to offset that guilt by trying to do good deeds and be a good person you guys are with me but today the scripture tells us that it is not by works that you can escape the judgment of God because you have broken his law. You guys are with me. When we could not become right with God based on our own merits, God has did that for us when Jesus came down from heaven and the Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. Amen? You're trying to get rid of the wages of sin. Jesus already took care of that on the cross. Amen? And the same Christ who died on the cross three days later was raised from the dead and because he is alive today day he can come into your heart and he can make you brand new person and he can empower you from the inside to live the righteous requirement of God you guys are with me you guys are with me everything that you need to do God has provided in Jesus death and his resurrection all that you have to do today listen 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 because everybody in the city of Jericho heard and you are hearing it now so pay close attention everything that you need to do is simply this repent of your sins say God I don't want nothing to do with sin anymore and number two say God there is no good deeds I can do so I can be made right with you and number three you can Come to Jesus and say, I trust that what you have done on the cross is enough, that the power of your resurrection is enough, and today I come and I choose not to earn my salvation, but to trust the God who justifies the ungodly. You guys are with me? If you do that, I promise you today, because God has promised that, immediately you will be declared righteous in the eyes of a holy and righteous God. Have you heard it? Anybody here didn't hear what I just said? Now what are you going to do about it? Think of the people of Jericho. They all heard it. But only Rehab acted. You guys are with me? Would you act on it today? Would you act on the word of God, the promises of God? Or would you say, you know, I, I see what you're saying, but I just don't buy it. I, I still want to try it by myself. I still want to figure it out by myself. Are you going to obey the word of God? Or are you going to resist the word of God? You guys are with me. Remember this. If you forget everything I'm telling you today, remember that first phrase. Just like the guy who I told you about, remember that first phrase. It's by faith that Rehab did not perish with the unbeliever. It's by faith that Rehab did not perish with those who disobeyed. 
Which camp are you going to be in today? Are you going to do like Rahab and by faith trust the promises and the word of God, the sufficiency of what Jesus has done for you on the cross? Or you're going to become disobedient. You hear it, your heart trembles, and you say, I'm not going to do anything about it. Only faith saves you and me from our eternal damnation. Amen? Amen. Let's close with the last thought. Only faith, true faith, must lead to regeneration. Look what the scripture says. The Bible doesn't say, by faith we have the harlot, did not perish with the unbelievers, full stop, move on to somebody else. Right? There's a second part to that verse. You guys are with me? How? How do we know that the heart of Rehab expressed trust in the God who justifies the ungodly? Because she did an outward work that manifested that she in her heart has trusted the living God. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. How did she do that? She accepted the spies with peace and they let them out, out with peace. You guys are with me? Mm -hmm. Think about this. Pay attention to me. This is extremely important. The faith that justifies you before a holy and a righteous God must produce good works in you. You guys are with me? But it is not you producing good works. Please understand me. Please, this is important. It is not you producing good works in you after you choose to trust, trust the living God. It's the faith, the trust that you put in you in the living God. That's what's going to produce good works in you. You guys are with me? The question is, every time you say salvation is by faith alone, so you know, justification by faith alone, people immediately switch and say, oh good, does that mean I go out and sin as much as I want? No, that's the, the exact opposite of what the scripture says. It's a one package deal when you come to Jesus and say, I'm a sinner, I cannot be made right with you. God gives you a one package deal. From the inside, he will justify you. From the outside, he will justify you and will declare you righteous. And from the inside, he will empower you to live the life of righteousness that you always have longed to. You guys are with me. It's not about lowering God's righteousness. It's not about you going out and living sin as much as you want. This is not what the Bible says. The question is not about if we should do the righteous works of God. The question is all about who will do the righteous work of God. You guys are with me? If it's you, then it's on you and your salvation depends on your works and you will never make it. But if you come to God broken and say, I can't make it, would you please do it in me? Then the living Christ will come into your heart and he will produce the good works in you. You guys are with me. Your eternal life depending on you understanding this one phrase. Please pay close attention. You guys are with me. Amen. That's why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone in Christ Jesus, how many? Anyone. Does that exclude anyone? No. How many people can be in Christ Jesus and not apply that verse to themselves? Zero. You guys are with me? If anyone in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. You're with me? Let me ask you a question. Is there any possibility that you can be in Christ Jesus and you're not made a new creation? Not our Christ Jesus. Not the Bible Christ Jesus. You guys are with me? Yeah. 
Because the moment you trust the living God who justifies the ungodly, God will do two things. Please pay close attention. From the outside, it's like a court setting, and the judge will declare, declare you righteous, will declare you innocent. Amen? But from the inside, the living Christ will come into you, and you will become a brand new creation, and the good works that you always longed to do will come as a natural flow, as a fruit of the new life that you have inherited from Christ. You guys are with me? If, if you do not produce, again, if your faith, let me do it this way, it's not you, if the faith in you, if the repentance that you said that you repented that is not producing good works in you, is not making you a brand new person, this is not saving grace. This is cheap grace. Amen? And the Bible doesn't ever preach cheap grace. The grace that saves you before God will teach you to live a godly life. Amen? Amen. Let's say these three points together. Hopefully you remember it. And then we'll close in prayer. Please remember this. Only faith brings the worst of sinners to justifications. That means all of us today can become righteous before God by faith alone. Amen? Amen. Only faith saves us from eternal damnation. If you're scared of what's going to happen to you after you die, it is simple. Put your trust today in the God who justifies the ungodly. Amen? Mm -hmm. And number three, true faith. That trust that you put in him today will result in you repent of sins and say, God, come into my heart and change me. You're going to become a brand new creation. You'll leave this door and you will be the first person surprised. My gosh, what happened to me? I love to pray. I didn't used to love to pray before. I want to go to church. I can't wait to go to church. I never liked to go to church before, but now I can't wait to go to church. Why? Because Christ has come in you and you have become a brand new creation. Amen? True faith must lead to regeneration. Amen? All right, can we close our eyes and pray?